The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So just put in the chat and the people in the room, we have the three refuges and one of the traditions over many decades now that we've had this Buddhist studies class is we chant the three refuges. We take refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, and then this might feel a little strange for some of you who are new to Buddhist practice. But Buddha, here it's printed as Buddhang, that just means we're taking refuge in being awake. That's what that word means, being awake. Like this capacity, I think, every one of us online here in the room, isn't it true that we have this capacity to be reflectively aware right now that this experience is being known? And it's like we can't even shut off that wakefulness. We can stop recognizing it, for sure. Right? We can be distracted and therefore unaware that there's almost like a mirror, this reflective quality of the mind that is just reflecting that it's like this. So when we're absorbed in some thought or in some activity, we might be in a sense conscious in the sense of not tripping over stuff, or seeing or hearing, but we might not be mindful. We might not be awake because being awake is a special, it's like it's an, a reflective knowing what the mind is doing, what the mind is knowing. So there may be consciousness, but can we be aware of what the mind now is conscious of, like the sound of the jet in the room? Oh yeah, hearing is being known. Or like when's the last time you noticed, oh yeah, there's seeing happening. Because seeing is happening, probably for all of us. Even if your eyes are closed, there's some kind of visual experience being known. Touching is being known. And we can train ourselves to be awake, and it is so helpful. So in this Buddhist context, when we gather in this kind of way, especially around the study of the Buddhist teachings, we take refuge, not in the Buddha, a person who died 2,500 years ago, we're taking refuge in, a, in wakefulness itself, this capacity, so that we learn to value it. Because it's easy, because it's relatively subtle, it's easy to forget about it. And we take refuge in Dhamma. Dhamma is the way it is. So it's the activity that can be reflectively known by Buddha, by wakefulness. What does wakefulness wake up to? What is it sensitive to? The way it is. And you know, this word Dhamma, Dhammang, is the way it's printed here, it has different shades of meaning in the Buddhist tradition. But in this context, you know, Buddha wakes up to the way it is, the underlying nature of experience, of the mind, of this, this activity of the present moment. So Buddha, we take refuge in, we take refuge in the way it is, we don't need a different moment, this moment will do fine. And then when there is that intimacy of Buddha being awake 
to Dhamma the way it is, that kind of beautiful spiritual integrity, being intimate with the conditions of the moment, without projecting, or if there is some projection, we're intimate with the projection too. So whatever's happening, whatever's moving, is be re- being reflectively known. Oh yeah, it's like this. Then that intimacy allows for sangha. And this is another word that has different shades of meaning. Sometimes we think of it as uh, spiritual community. It's not a bad way of translating it, but it has a more specific, important meaning, which is it's the kind of activity any one of us can manifest when we're that intimacy of Buddha being awake, being intimate with Dhamma. Then how we respond, how we show up, how we interact could be rightly called Sangha, because that's what Sangha means. It's the activity of life that flows out of Buddha being intimate with Dhamma. But when we're disconnected, or when we're connecting with our projections, our programming that we have, like if I'm on autopilot, oh, I've done the Buddha study class so many times, I've taught about the hindrances, you know, and I'm just sort of on autopilot, I'm not really here, then the way I'm showing up, it won't be Sangha, it will be, you know, probably seem flat or like Mark's disconnected or this doesn't seem useful, <laughs> right? But when we're Sangha, it's like our activity, the way we're showing up in the moment, is characterized by being appropriate. It's appropriate because the activity is literally flowing from that sensitivity, from that intimacy. Not from some agenda or some expectation or some projection, but just coming naturally, flowing naturally out of the heart or the mind that's intimate, that's connected. In both the sense of breath and depth or subtlety. That continuity. And then, it's only then that we really know like what to say, what not to say, how to show up in the moment. We think we gotta like have a plan, but it isn't a plan that helps us be a good human being. Being intimate is what helps us Imagine if we, like every morning, we had to like map out, you know, what, how should I behave around this person? What should I do when I get in front of the refrigerator? And then, what do I do when I go in the bathroom? You know, because I want to do it right. I really want to be a good person. We would be so neurotic if that was our approach to being a good person, right? Like to have it all mapped out. And it would, you know, the notes we'd have to lug around with us. Oh, you know, what was I supposed to do when I got here? You know, it wouldn't work. But what does work is a, is a very simple plan. Like, be intimate. Be Buddha, be wakefulness, being awake, being intimate, being undefended with Dhamma, what's moving, the nature that's here, the conditions the movements. And then, only then, we really know how to, know better how to be a human being in that moment, one moment at a time. So we do this chant, which we'll do right now, and we do it a little bit more slowly than is traditional. You can just follow along with me, 
And again, I'll put it into the chat for those of you online. And uh, let's do this together. So I'll ring the bell three times. Some of us like to use this gesture called Anjali, as, uh, just because we care about these three refuges. They're not theoretical, they're for me in this life to protect me and guide me in an onward direction toward freedom. So I like using that gesture of respect. sitting for about 20 minutes, stretch, and then settle into a silent sitting posture, still, relatively still, upright, relaxed as best you can. You might find it useful to take a couple of long Easy breaths in and out, just as a way of settling. And realizing in your own way that it's safe 
to be present now, safe to be sitting, relaxed and alert. In our study this week of desire, sense desire in particular, it's not really about controlling the habits of the mind. It's really about getting interested in this activity we call sense desire. And we don't have to wait. Our whole life is really animated by desire. And some of those desires are quite useful and wholesome. Some are quite stressful and unhelpful. And what can really help to get to know this activity we call sense desire is to create a contrast, like being relatively content now to be sitting relatively still, relatively relaxed, feeling the ordinary experience of sensation of the body sitting and the breath moving here in the body. So what we do often in our meditation practice is that we kindly ask the mind to be intimate, to be present with something ordinary like the experience of the body sitting, this breathing body sitting is like this. And we cultivate a wholesome resolve to be aware of the body as we breathe in, to be aware of the sensations of the sitting body as we breathe out, start to notice all the other impulses or compulsions to do things, to think about this or that, to move our body, to want to shut the computer off or leave the meditation hall, plan our future. But because we have this resolve just to be present, be open and present with the sitting body, feeling things as they are, breathing in, experiencing the whole body, breathing out, experiencing the whole body, there is this possibility to start to get to know the impulse of sense desire, to feel the tug, to notice the very seductive thoughts and feeling tone that often go with those desires. And again, it's not about suppressing or repressing, 
just getting to know the territory of the mind, the conditioned or habit-bound mind, liking, wanting, But again, to begin the study, instead of putting the effort into recognizing desire, bring the effort to being content, to be aware, to be open to the experience of the whole body through the duration of breathing in. And then to be aware, open to the whole body through the duration of the exhalation. So one half breath at a time. So let's take up that training. We'll continue in silence for some time now. And just see if you can notice desire, desiring as a natural phenomena of the mind. drop the question in from time to time. How's the mind doing? Is there any desiring? What's its nature? So we cultivate this relatively wholesome desire to be intimate with the breathing and the sensations of sitting. And that commitment to that desire then exposes all the other desires, the competing desires that will arise and make it a little easier to experience them. 
as natural phenomena. Again, we're practicing being content to be aware of breathing in and experiencing the whole body just as it is. Breathing out, experiencing the whole body just as it is. And this is a training move that then exposes or helps to reveal the other desires that will arise, whatever they might be the desire to think about something, the desire to move. moments where it doesn't seem that there are any apparent desires, notice what that experience is like, the heart or the mind, relatively free of desiring. Notice the quality of the heart and mind at those times. Be interested.
do your best to sense the possibility of contentment with what's pretty ordinary, just being intimate with the breath coming in and the sense of the body sitting, totality of the body, breathing out, experiencing the whole body. this presence with what's ordinary really creates a contrast to notice the other desires that arise. Feel the ease of that contentment to whatever degree it's present. And it makes it easier to get interested in what disturbs it, what gets in the way of that contentment with what's ordinary. Buddha asks us to notice when desire is present, but also to notice when desiring is not present in the heart. And again, it's not about judging, it's just about getting to know the mind, the heart.
So our practice these next weeks, we want to get to know the coolness of contentment when that's present, and also get to know moments of that burning of desire, where the heart is on fire with this, oh, if only, if only this sit would end, then it would feel so good to move the body. So we're getting familiar with that whole range from contentment to discontentment. the identification with desiring to the wisdom that's not confused by desire. Take a moment, stretch out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.